0: Throw left side, has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Houston.
1: There is no off season for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now it's Texans All Access. Welcome
2: everybody to a Monday night edition of Texans All Access from Monday, Texans radio studio coming to you live on the first Night of legal tampering in some way that feels like an oxymoron. Legal tampering, but that's what we have going on in the NFL. And boy, do we have it going on in Houston. I'm your host tonight, John Harris, alongside the voice of the Texans, joining me in this first segment, mark Vandermeer. Mark, first of all, how are you, my friend? Second of all, thank you for having me Saturday night. That was a blast. Third of all, how was your road trip
0: today? Oh, it was great. It was fun, and Saturday night was great. The Southland Conference Championship on Sports Radio 610. Johnny, you did a great job analyzing a college hoops game. Uh, I get to do one a year, and this is one every two years in the last two years because we didn't have the game last year, but it was fun. And uh, congratulations to ACU, Abilene Christian. I think it's a tough out for the University of Texas. That is going to be an excellent game, I think. ACU so good on defense, so I'm looking forward to the tournament. Free agency underway with le- – you know what? The, the proper term – I don't think the league calls it legal tampering. They call it legal negotiating window or something like that uh, or the pre-negotiating window, <laughs> but it is legal tampering, and it is on. I mean, free agency is underway. As we speak, deals are being made, and the Texans are right in the mix. It's fun.
2: Yeah, no doubt. We are. We're going to get there. We're also going to have David Cully on the show. He's going to join Drew Doherty in our next segment. David did a number of interviews last week. At the end of the week, he was on Huddle Flow. He did one for all the employees in the building. He did a presser uh, that's been playing six ten, and then he joined Drew, and they were able to dive uh, into uh, a pretty good discussion, including one thing at the very end, which is I thought very funny because. In our department meeting today, we had a couple of our uh, great videographers, the Tyler the Tyler and Tyler crew, Tyler Shadar, Tyler Marcotte, went to Sparta, Tennessee working on building the Texans. And they went to Sparta, and they said in the meeting today, they were kind of joking, saying they were treating us like celebrities. Well, exactly <laughs> what David Kelly said. He goes, look, Drew, I'm telling you, because I listened to the interview. He said, look, Drew, I'm telling you, They're treating those guys, Tyler and Tyler, like celebrities. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what they said in the meeting. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. And then we'll go around the NFL because we need to in our final segment. But, Mark, I I had to take the time today. Most of the time I can just off the top of my dome, I can just go, okay, well, we did this, we did this, we signed this guy, we traded this guy, we did this. I can usually keep that upstairs pretty good. I had to sit down, Mark, and think about all of the things that have happened from a roster standpoint since Nick Casario took over. Yeah. And when I started doing that, I stopped at traded Bernardrick McKinney to the Dolphins for defensive end Shaq Lawson, and I started making my notes about talking to you and talking about all these things that happened over the weekend, the two biggest ones. Um, I think we got into the Christian Kirksey signing, I believe, uh, at some point
0: mm-hmm. that will
2: happen. But over the weekend, two trades took place. One trade, the one I just mentioned, Benardrick McKinney for defensive end, Shaq Lawson to uh, with the Dolphins, that was a deal. And then, I don't know which one came first, traded slash swap picks for offensive linemen. And I say offensive linemen, and I'll get into why in just a second. Marcus Cannon with the Patriots. And I would imagine, Nick, negotiating with Bill was probably interesting. but Oh, yeah. wait it is. But Marcus Cannon, 33 years old, lot of pelts on the wall, from Odessa, played at TCU, is a devout Texan. Just loves the state of Texas, has a ranch does a ton of work with his hands, not just on the field. But he opted out last year due to COVID, and for good reason. He's a cancer survivor. But, Mark, your gut reaction to seeing Marcus Cannon traded for and Bernardrick McKinney traded to Miami to bring back Shaq Lawson, your overall thought?
0: Well, I think, Johnny, when you look at what the Texans were last year, and that's our most recent example, they weren't good against the run, and they weren't good running the football. And they took a step forward. It might be a small step. We'll see how big a step it is. But they took a step forward in the direction in both categories with these moves over the weekend. The other notable thing is that I always talk about teams like to sign players or acquire players that they've seen a whole lot of because they know them well. Casario has watched gobs of footage on AFC East opponents. And obviously he knows that New England roster So incredibly well. So Marcus Cannon, I mean, the immediate reaction around the league was, oh, you got better on the O-line. Now, how they put it together remains to be seen because there's a lot of flexibility, versatility there. I know the versatile word sometimes is a dirty word with the local media. It shouldn't be. It's a good thing. And with Shaq Lawson, look, I talked to Joe Rose, who uh, played for the Dolphins, does morning talk radio there, does their color commentary. He said, hey, you're going to like Shaq Lawson. You know what he does well? He sets the edge. He's good on the edge. Where were the Texans not good enough stopping the run last year, among other places, but on the edge. They needed to be better on the edges, and they got better. Now, are they, you know, 15 spots in rushing, ranking, defense better? Look, not yet, but they took – they they took a step, Johnny, and I think you'll agree that that's what this is all about. Incremental improvement with each acquisition, with each transaction, and they're taking the steps they need to take. Where it ends up, we don't know. But so far, so good. It's early. Yeah, it definitely is early. Mark, when I
2: woke up today, I mean, I was excited. Don't get me wrong. I was really excited because you know how much, obviously, I love this organization, but I love the NFL just in general, and I Love to see where teams decide to put their, their efforts, their money, and their consideration. And who are they looking at? And, of course, I was curious, hey, you know, will, will Nick go out and, and tamper with a player, maybe two? He was on Friday with Sean and Seth and was fantastic. And one of the things he mentioned was, look, you know, we've got some money. We, we have, you know, we've done some things. We're a little bit better off from that perspective than we've been. So, yeah, you know, but we're not going to look to hit grand slams and home runs. You know, we might have a, you know, hit some singles and doubles. And I thought it was a great way for, for putting how he was going to maybe approach today. And then all of a sudden, every, seeming, every seemingly every hour I looked up, man, they've signed another guy. They've signed another guy. Wow, they've signed another guy. Mark, they signed two, four, five players today. And to Nick's point about hitting home runs versus singles and doubles, and sometimes when you feel like you hit a home run in March, it turns out to be a, a three-pitch strikeout, I give you this <laughs> number. Brock Osweiler was signed in 2016, Right. And he got a a two-year deal for like $37 million. That's about $18.5 million average per year. Today, the five players' total, total contracts, $18 million. And you got an all-pro returner, a special team superstar, a corner that can also be a returner as well. You got an interior three technique, and you got a safety. Uh, veteran safety you have five guys that you bring into the locker room completely brand new all on one-year deals except for one guy you bring in Marcus Cannon and Shaq Lawson into two trades and you've already signed Justin Britt Mark Ingram and Christian Kirksey mark your gut reaction to what Nick Casario and the Texans did today as legal tampering open signing five players
0: well I was thinking the same thing Johnny I was wondering how active are they going to be you know we've had years where. What's happening? They're not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes sometimes that's okay to get a later start to, you know, look for the bargains later as it goes. Who knows how these waves play out? You know, people love the big headline signings, but this is a, a league where you have to strengthen the middle class, so to speak, of the roster if you're going to go anywhere. And that we all agree they needed that. You know, yep. they need to get stronger in areas that, might not make sports center, but they have to get better because when you go four and twelve, you go four and twelve for a reason It's a fine line in this league. we always talk about it between winning and losing. We talked about the fine line last year and uh wins and losses in some of those games, especially in the division. but none of that matters right now you're just trying to get better and look uh most notably on defense, I look at these moves as extremely helpful, and only time will tell, and again they're not done. But I like that they're bringing in players who can help them right away. I want to see them draft well. They still have eight picks here. I know they don't start until the third round, but there are eight selections. Now, to rely on the eight selections from the third round down to improve your team immediately is not good. It's not smart, and they're not going to do it. They're going to hope for the best. And they're going to hope all these guys turn into pro bowlers and at least contributors and uh, materialize into solid players. But they know that it's too much to expect that to happen right away, particularly when we don't even know how OTAs and training. We don't know how anything's going to go yet because we're still coming out of COVID and the vaccination uh, age has not dropped down to player age yet. So we'll see how that plays out. My, My general feeling is, did you get better? You got better. How much better? We don't know. Of course, the elephant in the room is still at a certain position. We'll see how that plays out. But look, no matter what happens there, you have to get better at every other position group you possibly can, and they have. And like I said earlier, I began this whole thing saying, you know, they didn't run the ball well. They didn't stop the run well. They've got to run the ball better, no matter who's playing quarterback, no matter how they shape that. And the only reason I word things that way is because all the noise on the outside, I don't really know what's going on on the sure. inside with that particular situation. But I think we all agree, they need to run the ball a whole lot better than they did last year. So let's see if they can do it with the start they have right now. They're better on the old line than they were, at least on paper, and now they got to do it on the field sooner, soon enough, not sooner rather than later, because look, uh, again, we don't know how practice is going to play out.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the two offensive linemen, they did add, full disclosure, they did not play in 2020. Justin Britt was dealing with the ACL from the year before. Marcus Cannon opted out uh, due to COVID. All signs for Marcus point to him being back and ready to go. And Mark, I, I, I was thinking about this this morning. I was listening to Sean and Seth, and they were actually talking about Marcus Cannon, and they were talking about... Having opted out in 2020. And then I thought back to, and I, and I thought back to every year that we've been in a building, and probably except last year, we weren't in there as much. Every year in weeks 14, 15, 16, we would see the O line and the D line come shuffling, literally shuffling out of their, depart, their um, position meetings and barely making it to the locker room. Because there's such pounding that those guys are taking each and every week. I can only imagine for Marcus Cannon, the decision to opt out, I'm sure it was probably difficult in some sense. But on the other hand, man, that's a year of about, oh, I don't know, 850 to 900 car crashes that you didn't take. So Mm -hmm. to me, I think, man, Marcus Cannon coming back. Same thing with Justin Britt. Yes, you have to rehab and get your body back ready to go. But with Justin Britt and Marcus Cannon, didn't play in 2020. However, they also didn't take all those car crashes, and I think that can help them. Adding Mark Ingram to David Johnson. That's got to make your running game better. I don't don't think there's any question. To me, Mark, of all the deals that I look at, of all the things that they did, I feel like trading for Shaq Lawson and then getting Malik Collins. I know he didn't have a great year in Las Vegas the one year he was with the Raiders. But P.J. Hall is evidence that John Gruden is quick to give up if he doesn't see it right away. He didn't see it with Malik Collins. Uh, Get him out. And he also only signed a one-year deal with Las Vegas, hoping, hey, I get to Las Vegas, I have a great year, then I get something long-term deal. That didn't happen. He signed the exact same contract this year, but he's doing it with the Texans. Malik Collins got a lot in the tank. He's 25. He'll be 26 in a couple of weeks, about three weeks. Malik Collins and Shaq Lawson, I think, are about to make this defense much better than it was. Now, I didn't say much because it was one of the worst defenses in the league, but I think those two additions are really going to aid that defense.
0: Yeah, and how many people thought, because look, I know all the buzz and talk radio was, well, McKinney, look at the contract, look at the defense, look at the injury. Uh, Maybe he gets released or something like that. Well, Nick Casario gets a player for him, and it's a player who can help you at a spot where you need the help because you're likely going to be much more of a 4-3 this year. And I know you played some 4-3 last year, but we've been over this material before. So I think that that was a way to get something for Benardrick, who can resurrect his career in Miami. And the people in Miami say, we need this. We need a guy like McKinney. We've been too easy to run on and we're lacking in that inside linebacker, middle linebacker area. And he's the kind of guy that can help us against Buffalo. You know, they're talking about the division, you know, uh, Cam Newton running up the middle for new England Yeah, we can hit him hard. That's been Ardrick. So, you know, this is a trade that could turn out helping both teams. The Texans already have a middle linebacker tackling machine in Zach Cunningham. And again, It's still so early. We don't know exactly how everything's going to be constructed. I like what they've done on special teams so far today, too. So, again, that is an area where you weren't as good last year as you were previously. You know, Sealy did such a good job. You know, now you're moving into a new regime, a new era in special teams. But for Casario, he understands the value so well, and he's not going to leave you high and dry there. So, you know, so far, again, so far so good with Nick. Go for it, Nick. Keep going. And I wrote something today in the Daily Brew. It's general manager season. This is his time. Can you imagine being the GM right now of a team where you are just on it right now? Your phone is blowing up. It better be plugged in constantly because you're losing power by the second. And, you know, between this and the draft, the draft is a whole other animal, as you know, Johnny, more than anybody. Uh, But this is very key right here because – you know, I always want to know about the deals that didn't get made, maybe what you wanted that you didn't get, or somebody else wanted something from you, and you're like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. I would love to know all those stories. We don't get them. But, man, if they could ever have, like, a back channel of entertainment that way on the NFL Network, it would blow up.
2: You know, all fans want their teams to go to Saks Fifth Avenue to go find, you know, what they're looking for. But you know what? You can find – as I have, you can go to Marshall's and find some pretty darn good clothes at Marshall's, the same way you can do with free agents, and hopefully uh, that's what Nick has done. And, Mark, I got to say, it finally happened. Five years after the fact, it finally happened. I got my guy. I actually – I don't know if you know this. I actually told you about this guy. His name's Tremont Smith. Yep. He went to Central Arkansas. And I called a couple of Tremont's games when he was a senior going against Sam Houston and also against HBU. And I love this guy. I love him. And then he ran like a 4-3-something as pro day. And I was like, oh, man, he'd be great if he's a Texan. Well, he ended up a Chief. Then he was a Colt. Well, now he's a Texan. He signed a, a one-year deal, and hopefully he'll come in. He was a returner. He's got speed. You never know when a guy gets an opportunity. But I love seeing Tremont Smith finally, finally bringing a guy into the building. Well, not finally. P.J. Hall last year. Uh, but Tremont Smith, that makes two. You guys have games I called in college now with the Texans. So, what about? Uh, that's wh-
0: very cool. I mean, how does Hilliard feel? He's like, well, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> yeah. The return competition is going to be good. And look, that's just another element of things that we look at in training camp from time to time. Yep. But there have been, been many years around here where it feels like it's just an excuse me sort of job, right? Yep. Now it's you got guys who are really good at this potentially, yes. and the competition. Whoever wins that job is going to be a happy man because that might be one of the only things that they do on this roster. That might be not maybe the only reason they make the team, but the reason they make the team for the most part, and they'll help out in other ways as a, as a spot player contributor or other special teams contributors. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Preseason games, baby. And look, I had the Vandermokk out last week. We talked about it. I want Sam Ellinger in there. Uh, as a sixth or seventh round draft choice or an undrafted free agent just for the preseason games, Johnny.
2: Yeah, there you go. All right, tomorrow night, Mark just talked about Shaq Lawson. He talked to Joe Rose down in Miami. I'm going to have my buddy Sal Capaccio, who's a satellite reporter for Buffalo, mm-hmm. where Shaq Lawson played up through 2019 before taking the free agent deal deal going on Miami. So, Sal, join me to talk about Shaq and obviously everything that's going on with Buffalo. Uh, so, we'll have that on tomorrow night. But coming up next... Head coach David Culley sat down with our own Drew Doherty. You'll hear
1: that next on Texans All Access. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. In a moment. In a moment. It's Battle Red Radio. Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Here's more of Texans All Access.
2: Man, we got plenty going on in this Monday edition of Texans All Access. From the Texans Radio studio, I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, the Texans. Woo, boy, the phone just keeps ringing for free agents, and the Texans keep reeling them in. The most recent Justin McRae guard, two years, $4 million, worked for James Campin, or actually worked together with James Campin in Green Bay a few years back. So McRae comes to Houston, and look, you bring in as much offensive line talent as possible, and you figure it out. Marcus Cannon's involved, Justin McCray now involved, and, of course, Justin Britt from the Seattle Seahawks signed uh, probably about a week ago now, a little over a week ago. So, offensive line getting better. Okay, we'll get to more of that in our final segment, but it's time for Drew Doherty to step in and talk to head coach of the Houston Texans, David Culley. And, of course, Drew, like everybody, wanted to know How was that meeting with Deshaun?
3: The meeting went well. Uh, It was basically just a get-to-know-you kind of meeting. Uh, When you have those kind of meetings with players, Drew, those meetings are always private. Uh, What we say in those meetings stays private. Uh, It was a good meeting. Uh, He is a wonderful person. He's a wonderful player. And we are committed to him.
4: Good to hear. Good to hear. And, you know, you have many reasons for optimism in general. And one of those lately has been – the announcement of your coaching staff. You know who the assistants are. You knew who they were, but that got announced to the public in the last few days. Tell me about this group of what you've labeled as teachers. You know, there are many things, but teachers, that's one of the most important things they are, isn't it?
3: Drew, you're exactly right. And the thing about it is I got like-minded guys. I got not only guys like me, but some of those guys on my staff that uh, basically like, for example, Lovey Smith, uh, who I've known for a long time, Uh, He's kind of been a mentor to me uh, in this business. Uh, We have the same goals and we have the same mindset about how we go about things and what needs to happen to be successful. And I was very fortunate uh, with, 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 with with the help of being able to get a staff that is exactly like what I am as far as wanting teachers. And we were very fortunate to have a group of guys that fit that mold.
4: Yeah, you got Lovey Smith, who you mentioned. He's coached in a Super Bowl. You have uh, Romeo Cornell is still a special assistant. He's not an assistant coach, but he's still involved, coached in Super Bowls, also was a head coach. Then you got younger guys. Tim Kelly is one of them. He's your offensive coordinator. How important is it to have those guys who are long in the tooth experience-wise, but then also have younger guys who might have some new ideas as well? It's it's kind of a gumbo of sorts, right? And that's a good thing, yes. I, I imagine.
3: Yeah, it is a good thing. It is a good thing, Drew. And the thing about Tim is it's always good when you're moving forward to have continuity in what you're doing, especially offensively. And he did such a wonderful job last year with this football team with that. And I, it was important uh, to have that continuity moving forward. Uh, all the people I've talked to about Tim were very, very – positive about him and uh, having been here with him now for these last three weeks i mean everything that i've been told about tim everything that i knew about tim is all there plus more and as i said before to someone i don't remember who it was tim is a ball coach just like i am he's a ball coach and we've assembled guys around him and around lovey Uh, uh same thing with uh with frank our my a special teams coach we've assembled guys around those guys that are just like that drew and then when you get that going and you when you hit the football field with guys that love what they do that have a great passion for what they do and then that thing just trickles down to those players and every time you go out on the football field with those particular guys you know you have a chance to get better and that's all players want to do is get better and they want to be able to trust you to be able to do that and i've been fortunate enough to assemble a uh, coaching staff that, that feels that way and that is going to do those things for us.
4: Yeah, and another notable name on that coaching staff is Pep Hamilton. He comes into the mix. He's going to help out as the passing game coordinator. going to be interesting to see how he and Tim collaborate. What was most attractive about bringing Pep to the squad for you?
3: He's had a lot of success with quarterbacks. Uh, he's been very successful. And, of course, everybody knows this past year he was coaching the rookie of the year in this league with a rookie quarterback. He uh, did a tremendous job. Uh, he's done a tremendous job uh when he was at the coach with with andrew luck uh he's had a history wherever he 's coached whether it 's been in college or in the n f l level of being successful and uh, uh i've known Pep for a long time and felt very fortunate to be able to have him to join our staff because I think he is a great fit for what we 're doing here he's a great fit for not only for for tim but for but but for giving ideas and whatnot. Uh, and and usually here here's the thing, Drew. About offensively, you always want guys. You always want ideas. You always want different ideas. And 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 Tim has been great with 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 all all of a sudden wanting to have good ideas about moving forward and doing things. And uh, Pep will bring a lot of experience there to be able to help us go that
4: direction. Texans fans know what they saw defensively as far as a scheme last year. Lovey Smith. We know about his history. How do those two things meet? How do they veer off? You know, what do you see the, the uh, direction schematically of the defense going in 2021?
3: Well, that's a good question. And I'll tell you what, here's the thing. Offensively, regardless of what scheme you're doing, Drew, the thing you don't want to do is you don't want to give the other team the ball. You mm-hmm. want to be turnover free. Now, and that's one thing, thing that Tim has done a heck of a job of here doing. That's the first and most important thing with offensive football is to, it is okay every now and then to punt but it's not okay to give the ball back to the other team. Now, let me go to the other side of that. Lovey Smith loves his philosophy is taking the ball away. So when you got an offense that doesn't want to give it away, and you got a defense that is coached, and their philosophy is to take it away, that's a pretty good formula for winning in this league, regardless of what kind of system you got. And that's how Tim is as an offensive guy, and that's how Lovey is as a defensive guy.
4: So with all of those assistants now in place and with what Nick Casario and his crew are doing on the personnel side of things, what do the next few weeks hold for you all? What are y'all doing as a, as a group?
3: Well, as a group right now, as a staff is what we're doing is in the mornings, uh, Tim and Lovey and, and Frank are having staff meetings with their prospective uh, coaches. And basically what we're doing is self-scouting each other. We're, we're self-scouting what we do here. Uh, what we did last year, what we need to do to move forward offensively and defensively and special teams, and then in the afternoons, Drew, what we do is we're in we're in uh, free agency right now. We're getting ready to go into the draft, and in the afternoons, we split it up to where our coaching staff gets to go and evaluate and w- watch video and 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 get evaluations on players for free agency and the draft. So it's it's a full day for us. Uh, It's no different, Drew, than what any other staff in this league would be doing, although we're just new and doing it uh, together. And then the fact that we all haven't been together in this building yet, we've been Zooming. Of course, Zoom is the thing now in this league. Uh, It was that way all last year. But basically, we've been getting the same things done through Zoom meetings that we would if we were here in the building. And speaking of being in the building, starting Monday for the first time, I'll get to see all of those guys in person here in this building for the first time this year. And we're so excited to have that.
4: Yeah. I got to imagine that's got to get you charged. You're a people person. I mean, I've, I've been around you in the building on zoom. I got to imagine that's got you more amped up than, than you've even been before you got this job, right?
3: Listen, Drew, this is a people business. I mean, you know, and it always will be. And again, uh, having the zoom meetings, we've had some fun on the zoom meetings with each other. But, I mean, we, we kind of had each of the coaches to kind of talk to us about just give us something that maybe nobody would know about you that might, you know, kind of give us a little laugh. And those guys were really, really good about that. But I would say this, had we had that and it would have been person to person, oh, man, you talking about could have been hilarious now. But for the fact that it was Zoom, that we really couldn't chime in like we needed to, whether it's person to person. So I'm so excited to be able to get them in here. And I actually have some things that I that I wrote down when those guys were telling me about things that I'm gonna bring back up again because I wanna see the reaction person to person. It's a little bit different when you're seeing that reaction like you and I are right now. Right. So again, very excited to have them in.
4: There was a little bit of chipping away at the ice, I take it, and you're gonna bust on through it once you guys are all in person. That's, that's- and there ain't
3: no better way to bust than in person. <laughs>
4: Hey, a moment ago you talked about self-scouting. Now, when a team goes four and twelve and you self-scout afterwards, I imagine you see a lot of mistakes. But I'm guessing you saw a lot of stuff that can be corrected not easily, but can be corrected. And you gotta see some signs of optimism. Is that is that accurate?
3: Yes, that is accurate. But let me tell you something about self-scouting when you're four and whatever, or when you're 12 and whatever. When you're 12 and whatever. You see just as many mistakes, Drew, as you do as if you were four and whatever. And here's what happens is when you look at it, when you're, when you're, when you're, you're saying, and when you look at it, when you've won 12, you say and say, how in the world are we doing 12 games with doing what we just did? And then when you look at the four wins, you look at it and you say, man, we were this close to being able to do that. You know, if this right here would happen, we just make this correction right here. It's going to flip everything around. And that's why you self-scout. And that's why you look. And the encouraging thing about that, Drew, is this. Is that when you look and you say, okay, we eliminate this mistake. We get this thing right. And then the next thing you know, it gets flipped. And and the the really good thing about getting it flipped, Drew, is this. Is that we look at self-scout. We looked at what happened last year. But we don't ever go back to last year. Right. We move forward with what's going and then we take those mistakes, we correct them, and then all of a sudden you get a flip. You can get a flip like that, and that's why the self-scouting is so important. But it can be a positive thing, but it, it can be a negative thing too now when you win 12, but you guys just don't ever see the negative part when you when you win 12. We sit here and come out of that meeting and said, oh my goodness, man, well, we're very fortunate to be able to do that. And then the other side is, as I mentioned earlier, when you see the four, you sit here and you being you encouraged, but just correct this, just correct that. And we can do that. And that's what's
4: encouraging about that. And you you talk about moving forward. We discussed the meeting with Deshaun Watson, but he's not the only guy that you've met with that's a part of this roster. What have been your interactions? What have they been like? Because I imagine you've talked to some guys on Zoom. You're in the building. Some guys come in and work out. It's been a bunch of different types of interactions, but what have been your impressions of some of the the players that you've met?
3: Very positive. First of all, when they come up to me and they're smiling, that's a good thing, you know. (laughs) I haven't had anybody come up to me yet that wasn't smiling and that didn't have that look on their face, kind of like the look that I have on my face when I walk in this building every every day. And, Drew, that's exciting to know. And, and here's the other thing about that. Each and every one of those players that I have met doesn't even think about what happened last. They're all in the mode of being able, we're moving forward. You yeah. know, we're moving on in this direction. And then that direction is... A one direction, and that's all. That's all they want. That's all they want is, Drew. Every year, every year at this time of year, all 32 teams in this league feel like they can win it. All 32, and you should feel that way. But all you got to do is be able to take that self scout, go ahead and correct things, get on the field whenever we can get on the field, go out on the field and do those things. And and I feel like with these we, with this coaching staff that I have right here, that we can go out and do those things and feel confident enough to be able to go out and do the things that we need to do to be successful.
4: Okay, you and I are going to talk a lot of more football in the years to come. So, I got to veer off and kind of ask you some fun stuff. Omar Mazoub, media relations guru, has prepared you for this, I know. So, when you and I talked about 3 weeks ago, you told me about uh, catching up with some Vanderbilt teammates from of yours from the 70s. And some of the guys that you wound up coaching there too, and one of them said you hands down had the best record collection, the best music collection in the dorms. How accurate Listen, is that? And what's the that, what's the story behind it? What's the deal?
3: That is 100% true. <laughs> uh, one of the, that player was, his name was Eddie Parrish, who I also recruited to come there. He was a running back from Dyersburg, Tennessee. Great player. And uh, he happened to be able to room next to me. And the reason he got into the record thing was I used to play my music so loud. That basically everybody used to hear what was happening. And Drew, just to tell you a story about my music too, I was on the fifth floor of a uh, 16-floor dorm. And I would open up my windows, which looked right out into campus, and I would take my speakers. I had some big Radio Shack speakers that I would set out in the deal. And during the afternoons, when everybody was kind of through with class, I would kind of be a disc jockey for the university. They had no idea where it was coming from. They just knew there was some music coming from some dorm up there in Carmichael too. But the thing about the music was this. I've always, there's two things that I love outside of football. Actually, there's three. One is golf. That's the first one. You know, the second one is boxing. You told me about that. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is music. And I'm talking about all music. And I'm telling you, I I hear music today. I've actually, the other day I was in the, the dressing room in there and some guys were playing some music. And I was when I say that, they were playing something. To me, it wasn't music because I know what music is. Whatever it was they were playing, first of all, I couldn't understand what it was going on. And then I realized, I says, I'm hearing a beat that I heard somebody play 25 years ago. So whoever's playing that, they told me some name that this was. I says, well, listen, Sly and the Family Stone did that same beat 25 years ago. So y'all done stole it from them. And now you done put it, but I can't understand what was saying. But my point was this, they knew I knew music when that happened. But my point is, that's just a passion of mine. I love all types of music. Uh, uh, And the thing about it was, we used to get a $15 laundry check back when I was in school. That's going way back, part of the scholarship.
4: But how much did that spend on laundry, though, actually? All went to buying albums at that time. Did you have smelly clothes, or did you have somebody doing your laundry for you?
3: Well, I'd send them home to mama real quickly. Yeah. That's what I did. I mean, who didn't do that
2: in college, coach? Everybody sent it back home to mom, except for me, because I would have never gotten it back, because I went to school 1,900 miles away from home. But either way, that's the way it goes. All right, we get back. A lot has gone on today in the NFL. I'll try and recap it as much as possible next on Texans Oaxi.
1: Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. If you love podcasts and you love the Texans, you'll love our Texans podcasts. Now available on iTunes and HoustonTexans.com.
2: Oh, you definitely want to go get our podcast, especially uh, in the lab. Now, Vandermeer's View and Deep Slant, very, very good, no doubt. But I'll be provincial about podcasts. Drew Doherty and I have been working on a podcast the last four weeks where we did an ultimate draft, thirty-two teams, thirty-two picks, one pick from each team through the history of the NFL. Man, it was a blast, absolute blast. Kind of like today has been. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, a silent reporter, and I I'm just looking at this list of what Nick Casario has done since he took over. I these are the things I wrote down. If I've missed something, holler at me at your Harris Football. Since Nick took over, renegotiated Brandon Cooks, renegotiated David Johnson, re-signed Vernon Hargraves, signed Justin Britt, signed Mark Ingram, signed Christian Kirksey, traded slash swap picks for Marcus Cannon, traded Broderick McKinney for Shaq Lawson, signed today. Well, they agreed to terms, not signed, agreed to terms. Former Pro Bowl returner Andre Roberts, special team star and linebacker depth guy, Camus Grugier-Hill, a guy that I covered in college, Tremont Smith, corner and return guy. Defensive tackle Malik Collins, 26 years old. I think still something left in the tank, no doubt. Safety, Terrence Brooks, who spent a lot of his career with the Patriots. Guard, Justin McCray, who played for James Campin when James Campin was with Green Bay. Also, speaking of Green Bay, Joe Thomas, linebacker, who last year was with Dallas, but before that was with Green Bay. He also signed and signed defensive tackle Vincent Taylor. Today alone, two, four, six, is that eight, six, eight, eight? And I haven't checked Twitter the last five minutes, so there could be more. But the churn that's going on in this roster, and look, everybody wants to get out there, and, and as I said earlier, they want to go to Saks Fifth Avenue or what? What's the what's the hot store to go to now? I don't, I don't even know. I end up going to Marshalls because you know what? I can find a name brand. Over at Marshalls for like half the cost. So Nick Casario did. He went over to Marshalls and he had a little bit of money in his pocket. And he's like, well, I'll take an Andre Roberts and I'll take a Malik Collins. And, oh, man, Malik Collins, that's like the thats like the Ralph Lauren polo that you find like right in the midst of all the shirts and see what you got. Now, he didn't have a great year with the Las Vegas Raiders last year. But before that, was showed some promise with the Cowboys. I thought he was going to stay with the Cowboys. And I know having seen him up close at preseason games when he's with the Cowboys, my goodness, he's got something. If he's got something left in the tank, and I hope he does at 26, Malik Collins uh, could end up being a a pretty big problem for people. Also big is Vincent Taylor. We saw him last year with Cleveland. He was – I remember studying him when he came out from Oklahoma State, and I was intrigued. I wasn't totally sure. Like, man, do I love him? Do I like him? Like, I'm not totally sure how to feel – I really felt like one one more year in college probably would have helped him. But a pretty active guy in New Orleans, from New Orleans, left New Orleans because of Katrina, moved to San Antonio, then went to school at Oklahoma State, with with the Dolphins, where probably did his best work. Then he was with the Browns last year. And, again, hopefully he's got something in the tank. But it's a one-year, $2 million deal. So if it doesn't work out, uh, you're not out. I think it's $850,000 guaranteed. So – if you miss you miss but if you hit it's the it's the proverbial buy low sell high and that that's what Nick seemingly has done all day today and i and i like it i, I like and I, I love the approach i know fans out there are like what about this wide receiver what about what about this big name guy well sometimes and a lot of times that doesn't work think what the Raiders did a couple of years ago they made that deal. With Khalil Mack, they sent Khalil Mack to the Bears. They got a bunch of first-round picks back in return. They had a bunch of money to spend, so they spent it on Trent Brown, Marcus Joyner, and I think there was one or two other players. All those players are all gone. That was two years ago. They're all gone. So free agency can bolster your roster like it did with the Jaguars in 2017. That's a rare instance of paying top dollar for players and it working out. They signed A.J. Boyer, and they signed Calais Campbell, and it worked. Big time. It's one of the rare times it worked. Now, across the league, the Patriots are hoping it's working for them because they just spent money on the following. Matt Judon of the Ravens. Tight end, Johnu Smith, thank God. Get him out of the division. Thank you, Bill. Safety slash nickel, Jalen Mills. Defensive tackle, Devon Gottschow from the Dolphins, who I loved. In fact, a few years ago at the bowl game against Texas Tech, I was talking to a few of our scouts, and they were asking me, and I said, I like 57. They are like, gotcha? Really? I was like, yes, that guy. Well, he just got paid from the Patriots today. Then they signed two receivers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne. Definitely starters for the Patriots. They also re-signed defensive end Dietrich Wise. Bill Belichick went ape nuts today. Not with signing players, but signing Eight-figure-a-year players. Nelson Aguilar, $13 million APY. Jonu Smith, I think, got in the $10 million range. They spent a ton of cash, and when I say they, I mean Bill, with the Patriots. The Titans, and we go in division, didn't do much today. Lost Jonu Smith, thankfully. But, oh man, he stays in the division. I think he's one of the more underrated players in this division, and that's Denico Autry. He goes to the Titans. The Titans desperate for pass rush help. He signs a three-year, $22 million deal. So he stays in the division, but he goes from the Colts to the Titans. The Jags, at first glance, you go, I don't know. It's not a bunch. However, they got two of the more underrated players that I think are going to be a factor for them. Defensive tackle, Ray Robertson Harris for the Bears. Tons of upside. I think the Jags hit big there. And then they got safety, Rayshon Jenkins from the Chargers. I believe he went to the University of Miami. Those two players are going to step in and I think do some great things for the Jags. I think those are two big signings for Trent Baalke, the new GM there, uh, with the Jags. And also, of course, Irvin Meyer, head coach. They also signed Philip Dorsett. Wide receiver, who's won a, formerly a first-round pick of the Colts. Yeah, it was Colts. And then was the Patriots, where he won a championship. Now he's with the Jags. And... A boomerang, if you will. Back to the Jags is running back and former Texan, Carlos Hyde. The Colts, at last glance, I don't think have done anything at this point. But they are having to spend some money on Carson Wentz. But they still have money to spend. And knowing Chris Ballard, the way that we do, he's lining the weeds, waiting for things to happen. One of the things to keep an eye on over the next day or two, the fact that Aguilar signed wide receiver. Kendrick Bourne signed wide receiver. I just mentioned Philip Dorsett. But the main, the big name wide receivers, none of them signed today. So you're talking Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith Schuster, Will Fuller. A lot of the big name wide receivers did not sign today. So some offensive linemen got paid. Joe Thuney going to the Chiefs. The Bucks are keeping Shaq Barrett and re-signed Rob Gronkowski. Kevin Zeitler signed with the Ravens inside interior offensive linemen. But keep an eye on those receivers over the next couple of days. We'll have it all for you right here on Texans All Access. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to Coach Cully, to Joanna back in studio. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.
0: This is Texans Radio
1: on Sports Radio
0: 610.